Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm Shakima. I'm with ESPN as a senior publicist. Welcome to the NBA on Christmas Day media call. Um, just for some background, on Wednesday, December 25th, ESPN and ABC combined to exclusively televise all five NBA Christmas Day games with 15 consecutive hours of event and studio coverage, including first take, NBA countdown, and the jump. This marks the 18th season for ESPN's NBA Christmas Day coverage. And again, we'll have our unparalleled lineup of play-by-play voices, analysts, and reporters across all of our platforms. On the line today, we have analyst Richard Jefferson, who will team up with Adam Amin and Ariel Halini in, in Toronto to call the 12 p.m. Eastern Time Celtics versus Raptors game. And we also have NBA analyst Jalen Rose and Jay Williams, who will provide studio analysts throughout the day for NBA Countdown, alongside Maria Taylor and Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, this conference call will, the transcript will be on ESPN Press Room um, following the call. Um, we can get started with some questions. We'll start with uh, Mike Singer from the Denver Post, followed by Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. Hi, uh, Richard. I-, I was wondering if you think that the Nuggets need to make a move uh, ahead of the trade deadline in order to realistically compete with either the Los Angeles team. And if so, what players or what areas do you think that they need to target? Um, you know, Denver hasn't, in recent history, made too many in-season moves. I think they really do believe in their player development. Uh, I think they could make a move. I think Michael Porter Jr. is a person that the only way he's going to develop it is if he's going to play. Uh, I think he would be the one person that I would think they would try and find some space for. Um, but after that, I think as long as Jokic starts playing the way he did last year, um, and then the other guys around Jamal Murray and Gary Harris continue to develop, I think they're more focused. Denver's always been more focused on development than just trying to bring in talent. So, you know, in that sense, I can't imagine them really changing their game plan. Appreciate it. Thank you. Go ahead, Ben. Your line is open. Uh, hi, guys. This is one for everyone. You know, there's a, a huge matchup, obviously, Lakers-Clippers sort of be the headliner, I think, on Christmas. Um, and there was a great game last night, Lakers-Bucks, and even Rockets-Clippers. But so far this season, uh, ratings are down. Uh, on national television for the league, and, and this is for everybody. I mean, what do you explain? Uh, how do you explain uh, the ratings being down, and uh, what do you think might turn it around? Hi, this is Jalen. I guess I'll jump in here since I guess I've been around the longest. Um, this would be my what, 14th straight season doing uh, coverage on Christmas Day, whether it's from Bristol or various studios, Los Angeles and or New York. And when you look at the landscape of the league, usually when the schedule is laid out, it's based on the success of the teams currently that either have um, a, a bright future by projection. For example, the Pelicans drafting Zion Williamson for a past success like the Golden State Warriors making to five finals and three championships. Those teams will be heavily featured on national television this year. And you see the results of Steph being injured. Clay was already gone. Um, and so there's going to now be a lottery team along with the Pelicans. 
when you look at the Eastern Conference, it was great that the Nets were able to secure KD and Kyrie, and they're going to be right in the mix for best team in the East next season. But this year, KD's out all year, and um, Kyrie's dealing with an injury. And then the other team in their market, the Knicks, have already fired their coach. So uh, all of those things are happening around the league, coupled that with so many of the top players, LeBron, AD, Kawhi, and Paul George play on West Coast time. That's why the league try to do things like move the games up 30 minutes and things like that so that they can get the East Coast um, fans, the people on the East, Eastern Standard Time for the most part, you want them to be watching those games. So there's a lot of factors in it. And lastly, I think some people probably initially got turned off by you know, the term low management and or rest happening and or being used. That's why I think the league smartly eliminated it, put them from the stat sheet. Hey, this is Jay Williams. I'll, I'll piggyback on that too. I, I also think that we can't lose perspective on just the amount of content that is exploding right now in this new digital age. I think naturally, you know, being around a lot of kids and seeing the way Gen Zs are consuming the NBA product, a lot of kids are, you know, checking out highlights and things of that sort. So, so many more people on the move. I I think, you know, seeing the app and, you know, seeing how, uh, you know, there's a lot more games and how how kids are going to be consuming that is something something else that is going to be interesting just to watch as things unfold. And I know having Disney Plus come out and our relationship with the NBA has been incredible, and we have to continue to expand on creating those different avenues to allow access to have. If it's you know some of the shows that we have, either with Cassidy Hubbard and what we're doing with Twitter, Twitter, I think just being also more creative in our ideation of how we bring the product to the consumer as well. Okay, so next. Uh, next, we'll have uh, Chad Sten from the Boston Globe and then Gary Washman from the Boston Globe. Uh, hi, guys. And this is for everybody. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are, and I know Richard, you have the game on Christmas Day, about uh, the Celtics and uh, how they've sort of remade themselves this year, moving on from Kyrie and with Horford leaving. And, uh, being off to a much better start this year without... Uh, with what people thought might be a lesser roster. Uh, well, uh, can you hear me? Yep. Um, I, you know, I don't know if this is a lesser, lesser roster. I think they lost some size in Al Horford and Bain. Uh, but, you know, you add an all-NBA guard in Kimball Walker and a healthy Gordon Hayward. Uh that's something to me, you know, I wouldn't say their roster, their roster definitely has some holes, but I wouldn't say a lesser roster. Uh, and then you add the growth of Jalen Brown, the growth of Jason Tatum. So I don't think it's any surprise that they are where they are. I know people want to talk about Kyrie and this, but understand that they were very, very good. Kyrie's, you know, first year and, um, and obviously some things change, but uh, I think this is a very, very talented team. I think this team has the opportunity to upset uh, some teams and possibly make an Eastern Conference final run, but I think their holes are areas that are really, really big, especially when you talk about the top two teams, 
when you look at Milwaukee, you look at Philly, their size, in my opinion, is what's going to step, separate them. And I think that's an area that Boston is, is lacking. But I, I think this is a very, very good team, and they are only going to get better as they get healthier uh, with Gordon Hayward back. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of their roster. I just think that the areas that they lack uh, are going to stop them from really accomplishing what, what, what they believe they can. Thanks. Go ahead, Gary. Oh, sorry. Um, guys, obviously with the news yesterday that James Wiseman is headed to the NBA and decided to hire an agent, um, there's very la- lack, a lack of college stars. You guys all three starred in college, went to championship games, won a chip. What can the NCAA do to keep their guys, or is the G League a, a viable alternative to tutor these young players into being NBA players uh, what can happen and improve the relationship between the NCAA and the NBA? Get them, Jay. How much time you got? <laughs> exactly. That's the whole. That's the whole. That's the A block. Um, yeah. Look, I, I, I've been big on the college experience was incredible for me. I think I learned, and Jay Rose and I talked about this the other day on air. Um, to playing for a Coach K was priceless. I understand that. But it just seems as if the NCAA is a little bit slow to maneuver in today's age. And even announcing that, hey, we are going to get players, their name, likeness, and image, uh, but that's going to be 2022. Um, and I think with so many alternate ways, I, it's, you're going to have players that are going to go overseas. And I, I think Adam recognizes that the G League is a huge opportunity. Um, hence why they're you know, having conversations now on unionizing, unionizing the G League. Uh, I, I definitely see it as an alternative path. I, I, I would say this. In every other relationship, you, you know, the person gets their fair market value. I, I know that changes the infrastructure of what amateurism is, but I, I think all the ancillary pieces around have changed as it relates to amateurism. We're talking about a product that is in the billions and billions and billions of dollars now. Um, so, you know, is that group likeness that's going to come into play? I know, you know, the NCAA doesn't want the model to change, but the one thing that's inevitable, it's changed. So uh, you, you can't say their, their narrative for a long time has been, if you don't want to be a part of college, then don't be a part of it. Well, that's what's happening now. Um, you're having that with LaMelo Ball. You're having that with R.J. Hampton. And you're having that with certain guys, you know, Trey Ferguson's done in the past. Guys are leaving playing overseas, or it's going to continue to happen. Even James Wiseman, it says, hey, I'm going to go do private workouts instead of playing, you know, in 16 potentially national televised games. So I think becoming more progressive with the product instead of just saying we're going to do things, but actually state how we're going to do them and act on them ASAP is something that NCAA needs to do to be a competing entity that's what they're going to be to compete with the likes of the G League or the likes of NBL or overseas in general. Sorry for the mouthful. You actually were shorter than I thought you'd be. (laughs) (laughs) And I know everything that I say sounds sarcastic, but that's, that's the truth because you like to your point, Jay, when they said, Well, if you don't want to be a part of college, don't. The only problem is they've put rules in place 
to not allow you to go be successful, right? If you don't want to be a part of college, don't come, but you can't go to the NBA for a year. Like, well, you're not, you know, and we already talked about, we talked about football, uh, but, you know, in other sports, every kid is allowed to turn professional very, very early. And so, you know, in baseball, you're allowed to. There's so many opportunities in track and field. There's so many things that you're able to go do that. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought the point that the only thing that's inevitable is change, and the NCAA is one of the last things to change. So they definitely need to get more proactive and reactive. I was just thinking about our countdown team for New York, and we all basically went to big-time colleges, Paul at Kansas, RJ at Arizona, and obviously Jay at Duke. You know, I was fortunate enough to go to Michigan and be a member of the Fab Five. And all of us have lived understanding that as collegiate students, the idea that we were there because of our academics, not necessarily our athletic, that that was always um, a misrepresentation, the, the term student-athlete in itself, because a coach can get a new job and you can be a terrific student. They can still take your scholarship. I know certain conferences are getting around to try to mandate four-year scholarships, but there are many that still do one-year scholarships. So if I'm day-to-day, that sounds like a job. And if everybody around me is making money, it was one thing to talk about it in the early 90s, and I've seen certain media members change on this, just being around the game so long. What happened is the information started to get out for the public to start to realize how much money everyone was making except the players. So you realize the shoe deal. So just look at, just look at uh, one entity, the head coach. He can get revenue streams from a shoe company, from the school, television, radio, appearances. And the student athletes, as they call them, are smart enough to see that. And so they want to share in it, and rightfully so. And as RJ mentioned and been acknowledging since the beginning of the time, it seems and it frustrates me that these restrictions only not only happen after high school in the NBA, but also in the NFL, not in the other major sports. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go to Mike Singer if you have a Another question? No, I'm good. Thank you. Come on, Mike. <laughs> Chad Finn, if you have another question. Uh, Chad, your line's open. Chad, your line is open. Chad got off the line. Okay, we can Chad go with like, Gary. Chad, Chad, Chad <laughs> didn't like your answer, Jay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gary, do you have another question? The question kind of related. Um, what can athletes do when, let's say, a competing network is showing a college game and advertises the players in that game in college and to get better ratings, isn't that using uh, the player's likeness for profit? 
And isn't that, I mean, could, could, is that going to, how, how do you, how does a player without, the, I mean, with the ch- rules changing soon, how does a player deal with that when, like you said, Jalen, if you're on Michigan's campus and see a Rose jersey at number five and on for sale and you get nothing out of it? Well, now the sophistication happens where they just put the number five in there and then make you pay to put the name on the back. So they get paid twice. Um, the entire system is designed to prof- profit off of the the players and and their labor. They're the people in the arena. They're, they're the people selling out the arena during NCAA tournament games. I know you guys have been where they allow one uh, the early game audience in, empty the arena, let the late audience came in. Like, they're not leaving any money on the table. And so the players understand that. And as Jay, I think, talked about earlier, that's why you see four of the top five projected players likely won't play in this year's NCAA tournament. And that's something that we've never seen. It's four or five of the top picks don't participate in the NCAA tournament. All right. Thank you for that. And I think we went through a second round, so no one else has any questions. Again, thank you, Jay, Jalen, and Richard for joining us today. And thank you to all press who have been on the line and asked questions. Again, we'll have this transcript available on ESPN Press Room uh, in case you need some quotes. Um, Thank you again. And everyone have a good night. See you on Christmas Day.